Please do turn with me tonight to Matthew 6, and our text is found in verses 19 to 21. Very familiar words. I've spoken on this before some three years ago, but these words are so clear, they're so plain, they're so helpful. The Lord Jesus Christ said, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, Then in verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The famous Sermon on the Mount. Who hasn't heard of this famous sermon? The greatest sermon without a shadow of a doubt, at least by length in its recording, that has ever been preached by the greatest preacher, the Lord Jesus Christ, full of pictures full of symbols which are so helpful and yet so plain. Anybody reading these three chapters, surely we can understand most of what it says, at least on the surface. The Lord Jesus had gone up a mountain and it wouldn't have been lost upon his hearers, but as he was explaining the law, it would have reminded them of the time when he came down onto a mountain and he gave the law to Moses. This time he goes up a mountain, not a holy mountain, just an ordinary hillside. And he came and he taught the ordinary people. Well, the last time we remember that he came down and he spoke to Moses, there was thunder and lightning. The people were fearful. They were told to come no nearer. But this time again was different. The people were told to come. They could approach, they could listen. He spoke this time with a still, small voice, but still just as powerful. The last time he came to speak to Moses, he came down on the mountain in the thunder and the lightning and he spoke of death. The death that comes to all who cannot keep the law of God and that's all of us. And yet this time he speaks of the way to life for all who've broken the laws of God can have Life, And this is really what the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, is about the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, not the kingdom of earth. He draws an enormous contrast between the kingdom of earth, which leads to death, and the kingdom of heaven, which is the only way to life. And so the Lord Jesus comes and he He sits down. That was the way which teachers did teach in those days. The scribes, the rabbis would sit down. But he wasn't copying them. I believe that when he sat down to teach, he was telling the people that he is the king. He had come and he would become the king, not the king of the Jews, but the king of all those that would trust him. But he was also sitting 
down because he would be the judge, king and judge. Well, we don't read much of the Lord Jesus from the age of 12 when in a very succinct way the Gospels tell us that he grew in wisdom and in stature until the age of around about 30. We don't know exactly. It says about 30. It says that he started to come and to teach. Matthew 4 and verse 17 says these words. From that time, Jesus began to preach around about age 30. And what's the first word? that Matthew records as being the summation, the whole summary of his message was one word, repent. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. An urgent message, a message that has a call, leave the kingdom of this earth, The kingdom of heaven is just about to be launched. And when I, the king of that kingdom, will go to the cross, then I will be crowned king. Would you have me as king? Because one day, if I'm not your king, I will be your judge. That's effectively the message there in verse 17 of chapter 4. And so we come to this great passage. If you understand the Sermon on the Mount, it's been said you've got the key to understanding all the scriptures. For he spoke of himself, and he spoke of the prophets, he spoke of the law, and he explained the whole gospel. But we're going to focus just on these three verses. Let me Summarize them in two questions. What's Christ going to speak about? Two questions to ask you tonight. What do you love most in your life? Not your dog, not your cat. Where is the seat of your affections? What is it in the whole of your life that your heart is attached to? Now, it's not wrong to be attached to a husband, a wife, a mother, a father, a brother, a sister. That's good, that's right, but I'm not talking about that. That's natural. The question is, what do you love best of all in your life? We come back to that. And then to ask the question in a slightly different way, where is your heart tonight? The heart is the seat of our affections. It's where our desires, our loves, our choices, our priorities emanate from. Where are our hearts tonight? What do you think about? What do you daydream about? What do you spend those idle moments about? Is it your football team? Is it your future? What is it? That's really what these three verses about the Lord Jesus has been teaching, about fasting and praying, 
And then there's a whole section of verses that we read, which really about wealth and riches and possessions and stuff, things. There's nothing wrong with wealth. There have been some very, very wealthy people who've loved the Lord God more than their wealth, and a great deal has been accomplished during their lifetime. Homes have been built for orphans. Thousands have been given what they didn't have. Many great institutions have been opened. Hospitals have been built. Schools have been built by those who were wealthy. The issue is not what you've got. The issue is what do you love? Where is your affection? Sin? Wealth is not sin. Money itself is not evil. It's the love of it which is described by the word of God as evil. You think of Abraham. Abraham. Possibly, probably the wealthiest man in his generation. You think of Solomon. Even Job, who was wealthy and then had it all taken away. And then it says, astonishingly, that he had more at the end than he had at the beginning. He was a wealthy man. The Lord blessed him greatly. Well, these verses... Let's look at them under three points very briefly. God's gifts to all of us, because that's really what this is about. Investing your life, investing the gifts that are common to all people. You see, this is really a parable about life. You've been given a treasure chest. It's been invested in your life. And you have certain things which we all have. The question is, what will you do with them? They're common to all. The Lord is a generous giver. He's a God of goodness. He can't help himself. He's generous. He's merciful. He's kind and he gives us richly all things to enjoy. What do we do with those resources? When I was working in secular life, there was a time I had a fund to invest, not on my own, not my choices, but we had to make decisions. There was so many millions of pounds, and we could invest it and put it where we thought it was wise and sensible, and where we would get the best return for those that had invested that's a picture of our life. Your life is like a fund. A fund that's been invested with hundreds of millions of resources. What will you do with those resources? Not monetary. Let's think of what those resources are. They are your life. Your life, that's precious. Christians of all people. Hold life to be sacred, precious, not something that should be damaged, touched, ended, minimized, destroyed at all, either before that life is born or during life or at the end of life. We have life. 
Most of us have a measure of health. We're here tonight. Some of us, that health isn't always as good as we would want it to be. It might not be as good as it once was. For some of us, I hope it will be better in the weeks ahead. But the Lord has given us health. He's given you a mind. Astonishing. What the mind is capable of. Solving problems. Coming up with solutions. Working out where there are needs. Dividing our time. Making choices. But then there's your heart. We're more than just the mind. There have been many brilliant minds and they've been savage. They've been dictatorial. They've used their mind to do evil. It's only when the mind is combined with the heart that there begin to be choices made that can be good and noble. And it depends where we put our affections as to how we use these resources. Then there's your time. I don't know how long the time is that I have. We presume it will be longer than often it will be. We think we're going to live forever. Most of us know that we have an eternal dimension, but that eternity will not be spent in this life. It will be coming to an end. The tree will fall. And one day it will be horizontal. And time in this life will be no more. And then there's opportunity. Some of us have had opportunities in our life to see wonderful things. Go to many countries perhaps. See the seven wonders of the world. Maybe do things and have experiences in life. To go here, to go there. And then there's the your soul that towers over everything else. The soul. We're not just mind and body. There is this faculty inside us. This is what the Lord Jesus is speaking about. He's pleading with us. He's saying, lay not up. It's a command. It's a call. It's saying when you make your choices and decisions in life, don't think of this life. Don't think of the earth. Don't think of what you can see. There's so much more than what the eyes can see. God's precious gifts given to us on a short-term rental agreement. One day we'll give them back. Like a book borrowed from a library. One day it has to be returned. There's a date. We don't know what that date is. And everything will go back. No longer on hire. Well, the second thing is this. Investing God's gifts. We've been given all these Wonderful, astonishing, unseen gifts. So much more than what's in the bank account. So much more than what's in the garage or in the closet at home. What are we going to do with these gifts? A lady was talking to me recently. 
She's not here tonight. Her mother had died and she'd left a sum of money. It's caused quite a problem in the family. There were several children that the money was left to. It's caused animosity, jealousy, bitterness. What do I do with the money it needs to be invested? It's sat there in the bank account. It's a bit like that with your life. What will you do with what you've been given? Wealth creates a responsibility to use it wisely, to guard it. Some people, they don't know what to do with it. They start hoarding. They build a safe at home and they put the money into. You hear of these stories of people that didn't feel they could put the money into the bank. They couldn't buy shares and stocks. So they literally put it in a box under a pillow, under the bed. Never did anything with it. Could that be your life tonight? You've been given all these resources. You've never done anything with them that God had called you to do. Some people hoard, don't they? They talk about an illness of hoarding where we can't let go. We have to have stuff around us, so much stuff. It provides a comfort for us. And the Lord Jesus says, lay up for yourselves, not treasures. On earth, they'll all be left behind. So we have a choice, don't we? Where will we invest? Where will you put your gifts and resources? There's a catch, the Lord Jesus says. You put your investments in this life. They'll be very insecure. We've had one of those cryptocurrencies recently that's just literally vanished. A whole platform with hundreds of billions of whatever the currency was, gone, disappeared. The investors have got, it seems, nothing in this hard-to-explain currency. What a picture of life. All gone, uncertain, insecure, a risky investment. From the moment you put your wealth into it, it's depreciating, going down in value over time, and ultimately it will perish. It will rust. The moths will eat it. And if not, verse 20, the thieves will come and break and snatch and steal, and take it from you. All your treasures, those precious memories gone, are uncertain investments. And the Lord Jesus is saying, what will you do with your life? What will you do with your time, your energy, your heart, your soul, your health? The problem is with the things of this world and what we invest in, they change us, don't they? I had a boss once, I think I've told you this before, he had seven homes. He had to build a bigger garage because he had 14 cars at home. Some of the cars were so expensive, 
They were so rare, they were uninsurable. He couldn't drive them in case they get damaged because there wasn't the spares, but they were so valuable. But after a while, they just caused him concern. You asked him on a Monday morning, what did you do? Oh, I had to fix this and fix that. They didn't give pleasure. They began to change his character. They made him greedy, covetous, more, more, more. And they destroyed his happiness. They didn't give him happiness. Sometimes when we, in the olden days, used to go to the airport, if you were flying overseas, going to particular countries where they didn't use pounds and pence, you would go to that little kiosk and you would take your hundred pounds and you would make an exchange and you would get another currency. And you know really that's what these verses are about, two different currencies. I don't know which is the better currency, the pound didn't do so well last year, but you've got a currency in one hand and God has given it to you and if you invest in this life, you're putting it into the worst currency that you possibly could have in your hands. I looked it up. It was the Sri Lankan rupee last year. It went down and down and down. That's what the Lord Jesus is saying. Lay not up for yourselves Treasures in the currency of this world. Take all your goods. Take all the gifts that God has given you and put them in the currency of heaven. That's the only appreciating currency. It goes up and up and up in value. And any Christian here tonight can tell you the treasures they're laying up in heaven they become more precious, more valuable by every day that they live. And one day, they will not need faith to see them. All the treasures of heaven will be seen by sight. Go to the foreign exchange desk and take everything that you have and it exchange for the best transaction ever. That's what Christ says. Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Nobody can touch them. There's no foreign exchange market that will depreciate the treasures of heaven. Nobody can touch them, says the Lord Jesus. Moths won't eat them. Rust won't touch them. Thieves can't take them. They are certain. They are secure. What's this about? Who is the treasure? What is the treasure? Christ is speaking of himself. He's putting himself before the people. He's explaining the law in chapter 5 and chapter 6 and chapter 7. And he's pointing the people to himself and he's saying... I am the treasure. I am the pearl of greatest price. When you found me, you have everything. 
And he explains that he must be found. Once you've found Christ, you don't need anything else. You don't need a second car. You don't need a seventh home. You don't need diamonds. You don't need any other pleasures, even though there's good ones to have. Your treasure will be the Lord Jesus Christ. But he says something in verse 21 which is deeply profound. Your treasure and your heart are inextricably linked. What you love is your treasure. God says, where is your heart? Because where your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. That's what you prize. That's what you love. That's what you invest in. That's what you spend your time thinking about. But let me read you some verses from 1 Timothy chapter 6 and verse 17. They bring these verses to life. Paul is speaking to young Timothy and he tells him this. He says, charge them that are rich in this world that they be not high-minded nor trust in uncertain riches, but instead to trust in the living God who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation against the time to come, that they may lay hold on eternal life. You see, this is the Christian life. The Christian life is the one that invests for eternity. What happens in this life doesn't really matter. Whether your shares go up or down, whether your pension is worth X or Y, it really in the end sum does not matter. But he says, don't trust in uncertain riches, but instead put your treasure in heaven, in Christ, who gives you all things to enjoy. And such a person will be a person who's giving out, not a person who's building up, not a person who's investing in riches, but one who is rich in good works. Do you see the irony? He's got riches, but he gives. He's got assets, but he gives them away. He's willing to distribute. He's willing to communicate. He's laying up in store a good foundation. Let me be clear. It's not what we do that gets us to heaven. Up until the time we become a Christian, our investment is in this life. But when we find Christ, our hold on money, things, Stuff, our attitude to it totally changes. Now, if we've got something, we'll let go. If we've got something, we'll give. If we've got something, we will give it to the one that needs it. And instead, you see what it says? We give and we empty our hands. 
what do we put in the hands? We lay hold and we seize eternal life in Christ Jesus. That's what we need, the treasure that none can destroy. And that's where our heart is. Where's your heart tonight? Do you love the Lord Jesus Christ with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your life? Is there nothing else that compares? If so, you're a Christian. You might have doubts. You might not yet have that assurance. But if you can say with me, my treasure is in heaven. My treasure is not here. And you have no fear for this life. What happens to your home doesn't matter. What happens to your job doesn't matter. What happens to your possessions? Gone. No fear. My treasure, what I value most, is in heaven. And my treasure is Christ. And I love him more than anything else. Let's pray together. Our gracious Heavenly Father, give us that pearl of greatest price. May we invest all that we have in Jesus Christ, who gave all that he had in this human life, for he had no home, he had no earthly treasure, he had only his soul and his life and his body, and he laid it down upon the cross that we may lay hold on eternal life. O Lord, grant that tonight some could say, I love him because he first loved me. May it be so. In Jesus' name, amen.